Welcome to Unite Immigrant Families. I'm Rosemary Vega, an immigration attorney with over 20 years of experience uniting and keeping families together. If you are looking for immigration information, stick around and listen to me and my fellow immigration attorneys as we discuss what's new and debunk myths. Please note, this is not legal advice and no legal advice will be given on this podcast. And welcome back to Unite Immigrant Families. Today we have my really, really good friend, Magali uh, Candler, and she's an immigration attorney here in Houston, Texas. And today we are going to talk about I-751s and removal of conditions. Magali, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. This is great. Very interesting stuff we're going to talk about. Yeah. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much. And excited to uh, to be on the podcast. This will Thank be very, you. very fun. Thank you. So we're going to talk about 751s and the removal of, of the conditions. Molly, why do we need these 751s? Do they do people have to file them? Yes, not everybody has to. But what a 751 is, is a removal of conditions on the permanent residency that you get if when you get your green card, you've been married for less than two years. So let's say you get your interview for your permanent resident application through your U.S. citizen spouse, and it gets approved, let's say, I don't know, um, just when you've been married, maybe a year and 11 months. And unfortunate, if they'd only waited another month, they would have gotten a green card that would have been a 10-year green card, and there would be no condition. But if you get the green card approved before you've been married two years, then you get what's called a conditional permanent resident card, and it's good for only two years. And then you need to file for the removal of conditions within 90 days of your card expiring. And normally, you're proving you know, you want to prove that it's still a valid marriage, you're still married. And now the form is even asking for two or three sworn statements. So not just marriage, you know, proof of your bills and that you live together, but they also want to see some affidavits from individuals that, that get to see you. But that would be a joint removal of condition. There actually is a way to do it as well if for whatever reason the marriage has not survived. But that's why you have to do it if you get your green card before you've been married two years. Okay, so two years. And I, you know, I recall I had an interview one time and the we got the interview date. Literally, I think they were a week a week before their two-year anniversary. And we asked the officer, hey, is there any way that you can hold out on grants or, you know, something? Yeah, ask us for some evidence so you can prove it next week. Right. And the officer, she looked at me and she says, I'm sorry, but I'm approving it today. You've got everything. Sorry to hear that. She's like, you did. Everything's in order. Everything looks good. It's getting approved right now. That's interesting. And that was I have, great. Right. Like, that is great. But then they still had that work to do, you know, right. in, in two years. What a shame. Yeah. Um, hmm. so, you yeah, know, I've heard years. of some officers actually doing something on purpose to help people out. Not all officers would do that, of course. Right. But I have heard, and I'm I'm trying to remember if I've seen it. I might have, but I know that I've had 
colleagues tell me that officers have said, well, why don't we, I need a little bit more evidence of blah, 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 whatever, so that they can, you know, then I can approve it after you've been married two years. And then it'll be a 10-year card and not a two-year card. Yeah. I've heard of that happening. I am sorry that officer couldn't do it. But even as I say it, I can see why that would be hard for an officer. I mean, it's hard. You don't want to have a pretext of saying you need more evidence or whatever. Probably when an officer has done it, there really was something that they could actually say. Yeah. Because if, like you said, she looked at it and said, sorry, everything's in order. Mm -hmm. What can you do, you know? Yeah. Um, Sometimes being a really good lawyer and being prepared and going in fully prepared gives you more work. Uh (laughs) I know I've had, I've had something like that not that long ago as well. Thinking the same thing, thinking, Oh, this is really great. But now you've got the conditions. Yes. I just had one like this actually just approved the other day. And I had to remind her, Oh, I see that it was approved. Oh, and it was approved. Yes, it was approved. They did do an RFE actually for an old crime that she had as a young person and in her country. And you know what? It's still, even with the request for evidence and our response, which we did really quickly because we wanted her to get her green card. Yes, it was approved in less than two years after being married. Yeah. So I had to remind her, we just got it. This was about two weeks ago. And I thought the same thing. I thought, wow, we've done an amazing job. Oh, we got her a waiver approved. She needed a waiver for those crimes, even though they were minor. But, you know, mm-hmm. you have more than one crime involving moral turpitude. They really want that. I argued she didn't need it, but she needed it. They granted it. Darn it. Awesome lawyering, but we need to do the removal of conditions yes. now. Yeah, yep. so... Yep. You have to do the removal conditions. Um, it's usually 90 days before the two-year anniversary of you getting your green card. Exactly. Right? Yes, so. but, you know, they do. There are some exceptions, or there, there's definitely an exception for filing late if you can show good cause for filing late. Correct. And, you know, I've, I've been hired late, and I've also been hired where I represented the clients before and – we had things like maybe it was Hurricane Harvey or maybe it was that freeze. Remember the terrible freeze yes, we yeah. had? Something relating to that, to some sort of natural, um, you know, some sort of you know, act of God. I remember created issues with getting the evidence to where we filed maybe for one client relatively recently where it was only about a week late, but I did show the good cause about whatever Harvey making our office have to close for 11 days, or maybe it was a freeze. I don't remember the freeze ended up making me not be able to go into my office for a few days as well. Our building was closed. So there is that, but you know, I've been hired 19 years late Oh by my somebody God. who didn't know that his removal of conditions had not been approved. He wanted to apply for naturalization. And I'm like, well, where's your green card? Where's all this? Well, I never got it. But, you know, I mean, they never made it to me. But I've worked at the same place all these 20 years or whatever. And I said, you know what? We need to do a Freedom of Information Act request. And we found out that in 1999, after his interview, when he showed that he was in the process of divorce and they had lots of good evidence of the validity of the marriage, he got a request for evidence, an RFE, asking for the divorce decree. And guess what? He never did it. And he never knew that he needed it. He didn't understand. He said he didn't speak English well then. And he'd been alone without an interview, without an attorney. 
and without the spouse because they were getting divorced. And he, all these years, had thought that he was still a conditional resident. So this is crazy. It had been denied in 99. And we filed a removal of conditions late with all the evidence he had submitted in the past and the divorce decree. And this became a little bit of a fight. But believe it or not, they extended his temporary, I mean, his conditional residency, okay. and we got it approved. That but it is crazy. So you can file late. And our good cause was, okay, what was our good cause? That all these years, he did not know that it had been denied. He just yes. did not know. He had never received the denial. And, and they had his address correct at the time. So, And I want to mention also, good cause can be... And it could be anything. It could be, really I didn't good. know. I Well, I've seen that. Mm -hmm. I've been hired late because they didn't know, Rosemary. Right. They thought, they're like, oh, I thought I just, oh, there are people who either were not represented or have not, or, or were, but then have lost touch with their attorney and nobody explained it to them, or they were at a nonprofit and, you know, it wasn't an existing uh, relationship. They thought that they could just renew the card like they yes. thought they could do an I-90 and not an I-751. I've Correct. represented like two or three people like that over the years. Yeah, I have. I have as mm -hmm. well. And, and you know, I want to mention that if your children also are legal permanent residents, they may have that too. And your marriage was under those two years the children need to remove the conditions on their cards as well. That's right. Good point. And, and I've had that where they remove the conditions to the spouse, but they didn't do it for the children. My goodness. Wow. And so I've had to, it was late. And I mean, wow. you know, 10 years late because now mm -hmm. the child's trying to go to college yeah. and, oh, what do you mean my, my green card's not? you know, valid anymore. Right. So it, you don't forget about the kids. Exactly. That's really a good point. Um, but, you know, in my experience, and it sounds like yours as well, as long as you explain what your good cause is, I have to say that over the years, I've never had immigration uh, say that it was not good cause. No, you know? I, that's been my experience as well. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. They tried with the guy with the 19 years. I did get a little pushback on that, mm -hmm. but even that we were able to overcome and, and yeah. show, and they realized it. You know, I remember having a response saying, look, you may not like that this guy did this, but it still is good cause. And he really didn't know. Right. And all he needed was to show you the divorce. And here it is, along with the rest of the evidence. Yeah. So it, it was ultimately approved. Yeah. Um, and, you know, by then he'd been a permanent resident, what, like 22 years or something? Oh, my God. By the time he got the approval. Yeah. 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 So, you know, we've talked about filing late. But what are the requirements? We've talked about when you need to file. But what requirements do we need to show to remove the conditions? And right. what if they're divorced? And and let's remember, I, guess, I don't know that we mentioned it, that the reason that there are these conditions, it's because the people have been married such a short time that, and I think this comes from like the 1986 Marriage Fraud Act or something, they really were trying to show you know, that this is a real marriage. So if you've been married less than two years, we're going to come back. We want to see. It's kind of a weird, arbitrary thing. But yeah, you need to prove that the marriage is still valid. And, you know, obviously you've already proven that it was 
a valid marriage or they would not have approved the two-year card. But you want to show that it was a, mar a valid marriage at, at the inception, at its inception. And there are those, ex I, I don't know, we spoke too much about the um, exceptions, but there is what we used to call, there used to be a waiver form. Now you can do it within the same form, the I-751, yeah. showing either that you're divorced and it was a valid marriage, so you still have to show that it was a valid marriage at the inception, at the beginning. And now, you know, and the regulations say something about the divorce being through no fault of your own. But really the statute, their laws don't really require that. But I still like to show, I, I think they like to see that, that it's not your fault that you got divorced, you know, that you really, you know, that it's some well, sort of no fault thing, you know. Yeah. And Texas and Texas has a no fault divorce. Exactly. So that always helps. And so I, I like that. I, you know, I still try to show that, even though I don't know that we really need to show that. But we do need to show the marriage was valid at the beginning and then that um, it didn't work out and that I like to show it's not my client's fault. It didn't work out. Right. But the right. other things are then you could still be married and be going through a divorce, but having been abused by your spouse or showing that you would suffer extreme hardship if they don't remove your condition. And again, you may still be married to your spouse, but you're not filing it jointly. That divorce hasn't come through. So these are the, um, in, in any of those cases that I just mentioned, Rosemary, you still need to prove that your marriage was valid at the beginning. Although yes. I want you to know, I've really looked at the regulations very closely um, and maybe the law too, on the extreme hardship one. And I do, I do want to say that in that one, if you can show the extreme hardship, you don't, you're not required to show that it was a valid marriage at the beginning. It doesn't say that. It really doesn't. But if you can prove it, of course, it's always better. I think, I think you're right that you may not need to. However, I believe USCIS is going to want some evidence. Right. Right. Well, because you got it initially. So, you know, it, it had to have been they need to believe that it was valid when you got yeah. your green card, because otherwise they could try to say, you know, revoke it because it's still within five years. And they can say, hey, we think you obtained this marriage through fraud. So, yeah, I agree with you that it helps. But, you know, I know that I've counseled people, other attorneys that were looking at cases where there might be some allegations of, of the marriage now not being not having been properly entered into, you know, for the maybe it was entered into for immigration. And when they could show the hardship, they realized they didn't really need to show the validity of the marriage at that point. Yeah, I think I think because the purpose of extreme hardship is showing that you can't go back to your home country. It's kind of like asylum, right? It kind of is, right? It's kind of, it's a really interesting, I, and I know one of our colleagues, one of our dear friends, I counseled her on this, on one of her cases. And speaking of it now makes me think I want to ask her, hey, whatever happened with that? Mm -hmm. I don't know that I ever followed up with her. It was a couple of years ago. But it's true, you know, we looked at it. And another attorney that I used to supervise many years ago at my old firm, same thing. We had looked at that and really determined that if we can show that extreme hardship, we don't really need to prove the validity of the marriage. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know statistically whether immigration has done the right thing with that on the law, you know, because I Correct. think they're so used to really insisting that you have to show the validity of the marriage. But in practice, I don't know. That's why I'm going to follow up with our colleague and see whatever happened with that one. So let's assume that one of the couple are divorced 
and there is no abuse, um, no fear of going back to home country. It's just a plain divorce. Uh-huh. And the client tells you, we're married. It just didn't work out. Right. And we see and, that a lot. My guy with the 19 years, that was really the case with him. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, what do you prove? How do you prove that it was a valid marriage? That's a really good question. We go back and sometimes, like in that old one, the only thing that had been missing was a divorce decree. So we submitted um, the old evidence that I had gotten from a Freedom of Information Act request, the divorce decree. And then we submitted a very detailed, very detailed sworn statement from my client explaining everything. And then later, when they were pushing back, I got another sworn statement from him kind of addressing whatever questions they had. But your mm-hmm. your question is very good because let's say all that happened was it didn't work out, now they're divorced. The one thing that I think even the form now would require, I believe, would be to get maybe sworn statements from two or three other individuals who knew you or know you um, as a couple, knew you as a couple and know you now divorced, but saw you and observed you as a couple where they can say, you know, we saw they loved each other. They appeared to really love each other when we first met them. And then they had some problems later. But, you know, they're good people, mm-hmm. et cetera. <coughs> Excuse me. And I do believe that that now the form is actually asking for that. So I I think you're right as far as the um, uh, getting affidavits from other people, maybe neighbors who where you lived and you knew they knew you. It's a good um, idea. Saw you as a couple, saw that you lived together. Um, you know, it again, it's proving up that marriage. Even though you're divorced, it's proving up that marriage, right? Um, maybe an affidavit from your ex-spouse. Yes. I, by the way, I've used that, Rosemary. I have. Yes. Yeah. yes. And I also yes. like to ask, well, you know, you the marriage didn't work out. Did you all try to go to marriage counseling? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they say yes, and then I say, okay, well, get me something. It, I don't need the counselor to say that they that you know what was said during those sessions, but we do need proof that you went that you to went. Marriage, right. marriage counseling. I agree. That's really excellent. I've used that before as well. Mm-hmm. I did, you know, and you and I were talking. They don't always get interviews but they could get interviews. Mm-hmm. And I would say that recently I haven't had many interviews, even the gentleman that was so late. But remember, all they were waiting for initially was that divorce decree. Yeah. So ultimately, he really didn't need the interview. But I've had some interviews in the past <clears throat> where they did call the ex-spouse. There was a sworn statement from the ex-spouse. And, you know, we always, when you do a sworn statement, even the neighbors, uh, we need to remind them that now they're being witnesses in a case with immigration and that they should always put, and I know you include it, we always do, uh, who they are, where they were born, where they live, how they can contact them, because now the immigration service could call them to follow up and make sure. They don't always do it. And really over the years, in 33 years of doing this, I've been at interviews only twice over 33 years where I saw them call somebody that had given an affidavit. But in one of these cases, one was like a late filed amnesty case. The other one was a removal of conditions where they called the ex-spouse. It was during work hours and she was very 
um, accommodating and very honest and it was very nice. But it was interesting that they did call her to double check. And in that marriage, the reason it fell apart was that their cultures were different. And I see that a lot. I see where the cultures are so, you know, because when yes. you're dating, you're dating and you got living in separate places and separate, you yes. person has this house, this person has their house. And, and then when they marry, they start cohabitating. Yes. And guess what? Then you learn about all the little differences and habits and cultural differences. Yes. And sometimes that is a struggle. It's a, it's a it struggle. It is a struggle. Well, and I think that any marriage, and you know, you and I both are married. We know, and from our friends and from our own experiences, being married is not easy for all the reasons you said. And now we're throwing into the mix somebody who is an immigrant, a recent immigrant, coming from whatever country it could be. And often they fall in love with people who also come from immigrant families, perhaps in another. And in this particular case, which I found interesting, she was of Indian background, Indian from India, mm -hmm. and he was from Eastern Europe. And I mean, their oh, cultures wow. were so very different. And they both said it was very interesting, his sworn statement and hers. And when they called her, they had problems with her family and things that, you know, her Indian culture, because she was a U.S. citizen, but was like a first generation U.S. citizen. I believe she had naturalized to U.S. citizenship. So, yeah, there were. And we see this. And so yeah. being married is hard to begin with. I often remind myself and I think that we see it when we're doing these cases. It's not easy to prove. It's not easy to be married. And now we've got to prove that it's a valid marriage. And yes, it could fall apart because of problems, as you just said, the regular problems and then the problems that have to do with culture and immigrants. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's tough. And it really is. So, Magali, some, and this is what I have seen. Um, so, when somebody, if they don't file timely, USCIS will send, will terminate. The residency. Technically, they will. That's right. And, and then you know, they've been they more on top of that. Yeah. Sometimes they used to miss it, but generally they've been on top of yeah. it. You're right. Yeah. So they terminated and then they, they can still file later. Yes, they can. That's a great question. I, what can happen when they terminate you is that you technically become deportable from the United States because you had been admitted or, you know, you've made an entry to the United States technically as a resident, and now you have no status. You're actually undocumented all, all of a sudden, technically. And so over the years, I've seen different things. In the 90s, I saw a couple of people that were put in, in deportation proceedings before they became removal. Mm -hmm. And the law allowed for us to file late. And I think in one of those cases, or maybe both, they were divorced. They were valid marriages. We were able to prove it, but they were people who didn't know. They just didn't right. understand. And so in removal proceedings, uh, or in that case, deportation, even in the 90s, the judges would hold the cases while we filed the removal of conditions with the immigration service. And then they would wait to see a decision. And if it was granted, we could terminate removal proceedings it's what was interesting, and it may be a little bit too technical, but what I found fascinating even then was that immigration still kept the jurisdiction over that I-751. Right. It wasn't until or unless it got denied <clears throat> that 
the judge would then get involved. So they actually would hold those cases. Same thing more recently, and you were just saying if somebody gets terminated, they could be placed in removal. But what I find fascinating is I represented somebody for quite a few years, starting like in 2013 and uh, culminating in him becoming a citizen um, in 2020. But it all started, they came to me because they were trying to deny uh, removal of conditions that he had filed. But what I find fascinating is during that time, it actually was denied. I tried to reopen it. I ended up refiling. But Rosemary, he had been terminated, and they wow. didn't place him in removal proceedings. He was kind of in a no man's land. Right. As filed, which the area associate counsel for USCIS recommended to me because I talked to her saying, what do mm -hmm. we do? I've been trying to get this man uh, you know, his case in court. The judge can review it and see it's a valid marriage. At that point, they'd been married, I don't know, 10 years or so. And she said, Magali, just refile. So we filed late, showing good cause because mm -hmm. we could not get the service to either reopen the case or to put him in removal proceedings. But you're right. He was terminated and basically had no status. But the minute right. I filed late, I got the receipt that said, you're now a permanent you know, conditional resident, mm -hmm. conditional permanent resident, and it's extended for a year or two years right. or however long. So yeah. I found that really fascinating. You know, and when that happens, I always tell my clients, do not travel. Right. I understand that this document says that it's extended. And however, do not travel because if you travel, and this is me, and I'm just very cautious, if you travel, even though you have this, if they adjudicate that I-751 and it's in the negative and you're outside of the country, I'm not going to be able to get you back in. That's right. I mean, they might, but do you want to risk it? Right. I mean, you know, I, I can think of scenarios where we could try to get them paroled in. But Rosemary, right. I'm in complete agreement with you. Everyone that I've ever filed late, I was thinking, you know, people have hired me late and, you know, or, mm -hmm. or like the guy, the 19 year late. I definitely told them, even though, you know, you can work with this, you should yep. be able to show that you're a conditional permanent resident. No travel. Now, the people that file timely and yep. they've never fallen out of status with them, even if for some reason it was denied or, you know, decided negatively while they were out, them I'm not worried about because Neither. they, right. And and the reason is, and, and you're, you and I are right on this. I mean, we don't have to worry so much because they will be paroled in at the very least to renew their application with the judge. Because right. what because the judge can do is they can renew or review it, review it. Correct. Yes. And yes. with when they file timely, they don't have that notice that uh, USCIS has terminated their Exactly. Risk. Exactly. You're right. Filing timely, is that's that whole purpose. Yes. yes. So and I think you're right. And, and it's funny because we're talking about somebody who may have already gotten a denial or at least they've been terminated, not denied, and they have no status, but they may not even be in removal proceedings yet. Like my right. guy that was kind of in a no man's land, you know, where yeah. I couldn't get them to reopen and he, they, I couldn't get them to put him in removal, which I really wanted because I wanted to renew it with the judge. And then I just refiled finally. But he was in this weird no man's land. And of course, I didn't want him to travel. And he did not. He was very good. I know that it was hard for him. He really wanted to see family in his country. But it was too dangerous. Well, too, way too dangerous. And he knew. He knew. 
<clears throat> and we did finally get it. And the oh, and the gentleman, the 19-year-old guy, wow. That one, he didn't even have a green card. He had never even received the, you know, the, um, for some reason, he had lost the conditional one, didn't have that. So he didn't even have the one that had been expired. And then he never got a new one because wow. they denied it. Why? Because he did not respond to the RFP. Right. I mean, it's a really weird case. In a way, I remember thinking this is very cut and dry. They should approve it. But you can also see why they pushed yes, that. They didn't yeah. like that he ran around for 19 years with a denial. But yeah. I think it's fascinating that. When they did the right thing under the law, he really had been a permanent resident for like 22 years. I mean, he still has been. And that yeah. gentleman, I don't believe, has naturalized yet. But I've encouraged him. He should naturalize he should. anymore. He should definitely naturalize. I know, right? I agree. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen, and you make a good point. So if they deny the I-751, you can definitely uh you get placed in removal proceedings and the judge will, you know, they're basically looking at that same application that you submitted to USCIS. Right. It's not a new application that you're submitting. to. The no, judge. it's not. It's that same application. Right. But, you know, Rosemary, can we put new evidence in for the judge? I wonder. I think so. Right. Yes. Yes. I've always. That's what I thought. Evidence. Yeah. Because yeah. the judge is, is looking at that same application, but with new eyes. That's exactly, exactly. With new eyes. And, you know, there's going to be new evidence because time has passed. Right. I agree. What's really interesting is still everything that we've said, you know, is correct. And yet I think back and in the end. None of my clients that were in removal proceedings that, that had been terminated and were put in removal or in deportation back in the 90s, none of them did I ever need the judge to review because they ended up, you know, I would either refile with a service right. or file with a service because they'd never filed. They just got terminated and then it got approved and we would terminate in court. But it's interesting that in all these years now, this is interesting. I've got one coming up in June. That's a master calendar. It's the preliminary hearing, but we will be scheduling and I didn't represent him for this, but he does not have any new evidence for me to refile. So in the end, he really will have the judge review an I-751 that is from over 10 years ago. Yeah. He's been in removal proceedings all this time, and I can't really get his case terminated. I really need to go forward on his old I-751. And I don't yeah. even know that he's got new evidence. It's very interesting. When I prepared him the other day, we were talking, it's somebody whose case I can't really do the prosecutorial discretion. He doesn't have anything from that marriage from long ago. He's married now. But all we're really going to be able to do is have the judge review that old 751. Yeah, that's tough. So, that's, you know, that's a hard one. What about situations where <clears throat> the couple is married? Under two years, they have to do, they get the conditional residence and then they file, they're still married and they file timely, you know, 90 days before the two year anniversary of receiving the residency. And, you know, processing times can sometimes take over oh, a year. Yeah. So in that time period, let's say the marriage doesn't, doesn't last. That happens. That happens. I've seen and it. I've they seen get it. A, yes. Either they're separated or get a divorce. 
So if they get a divorce before the adjudication, uh, what do we do? Okay, I've seen this scenario, and generally I have tried to re, um, not to reapply, but to amend to send amendments, corrections in, and try to amend the application from a joint one to a one based on divorce showing the validity of the marriage. And so right. the, and we can submit more evidence. But having said that, the last time I tried to do that was a case where was the divorce was pending. And in that case, the divorce wasn't final yet, but there was an RFE, a request for evidence on the 751 that they had filed without an attorney together. And unfortunately, the abuse from the spouse was really bad. He, the U.S. citizen, and was becoming more abusive. And she ended up, the woman had to leave and start divorce proceedings. So I tried to amend it, responding to the RFE with lots of evidence of the validity of the marriage, but also showing the abuse and showing that they're in the process of divorce. And just so that you know, this is very interesting because normally I would just amend just like I did there, but they responded to me and unbeknownst to my client, her U.S. citizen spouse who had filed the joint one with her had apparently sent a letter to the immigration service withdrawing. Now, who knows? And I have seen this before. I just want you to know I saw I've seen this in the 90s with another case and it could happen here. I'll never really know. I don't know if I do a Freedom of Information Act request for her, whether I would see it. I believe I have filed one, but I don't know if this man who is so abusive actually submitted a letter. Maybe who knows, accusing her of marrying him just for the green card. So it'll be interesting if this is there and she has not seen it. And now what we did, but when, when I got a denial, it didn't say that. It wasn't accusing her of not, <clears throat> not having a real marriage. What they said was, we're really sorry. Basically, we cannot amend your application because before you sent these amendments in and all this new evidence, the U.S. citizen spouse had withdrawn his part yeah. of the I-751. Now, to be honest, I've never seen that. I did see once in the 90s where a spouse had sent a nasty letter about my client. And I said to the to the adjudicator, you know what? Maybe my client was a jerk, but she was a jerk, too. They were both jerks to each other. And, you know, she's got an axe to grind. She's so mad that he's divorcing him. They really had a very unfriendly divorce. And maybe my client was a jerk. But that doesn't make this marriage not be real. I said something like that. It's really funny. I was a really young attorney when I said that. Yeah. And he was approved right there on the spot, you know, but yeah. with this lady, I ended up having to refile. So to answer your question, kind of a long answer for that. But normally I would try to re, you know, to amend. But in this case, I couldn't even amend. Basically, they said that it had been withdrawn somehow. So instead of amending, we get, get this denial of the first one. So what did I do? I refiled filing late, explaining why and explaining that she filed timely. She has this abusive husband. Here's all the um, evidence. The divorce is still pending now. And we refiled and she got her extension, extending her a year or two. And we're still waiting on the adjudication. And you are right about these taking so long. Yes. I believe that the wait, Rosemary, I will look maybe and see if it comes up while we're talking. I think it can be almost two years. It's um depending on where it is, it is taking about 
um, anywhere from a year to two years. And so, and in exactly. some of that's what I was, I remember years. seeing that exactly. Yeah. So, and you know, um, that, you know, when the marriage doesn't, doesn't last, you know, that has trouble, unfortunately, you know, you've got to file that divorce decree, get the divorce and file it before it's adjudicated or because or refile right? uh, yeah, because the timing the timing on these things is so important exactly well and you're going to be late i've seen and this makes me really sad i've seen this scenario so many times <clears throat> where somebody comes to hire me because now they are getting divorced it's been pending and then i still can't even file i mean unless there is abuse or, you know, we talked about the um, extreme hardship if you were sent to your country. But if there's not that and it's just as simple, things didn't work out, then we're really in a weird position. It's almost, you know, because you can't really file it without the divorce decree and it's it may still be pending. Correct. So I, I really dislike that situation and it happens a lot. And it happens a lot because traditionally these take at least a year. They don't adjudicate them quickly, which is sad. You know, it, it's why is that? You know, why does it take a year or more to adjudicate these? I do not understand. But it's right. always been like that. It's always been, I don't know. And I don't you remember when sometimes they were pending two to three years? Yes. And and I would always explain, okay, well, while your I-751 is pending, you know, at this point, you're going to be able to naturalize. So exactly, that's right. Well, because you know what we've told people and, and I, I know it's not really the topic, but I think it's good if somebody's listening. Um, it's good to know that once you've been married and living with your U.S. citizen spouse for three years, you can actually within 90 days of that, if you haven't been traveling a lot, you can apply for your naturalization. So what you do is you sh you show evidence that your I-751 is pending, if it is pending, if you're somebody yes. like that, you show that and what they're supposed to do. And I've seen, and Rosemary, mm -hmm. I think you've seen this too from some of our colleagues recently, they will go to the interview and at the interview, they will approve the I-751 first. They will say, okay, we're going to deal with the I-751 first, approve it, and then you do your naturalization. Yes. But people yes not if it's a strong marriage especially the joint ones and you're not having to worry about divorce well and then of course you wouldn't be right because if you're applying for the three-year naturalization you must be living with your u.s citizen right spouse. yes so yeah if it's a clean one like that and you're married and and you have a lot of evidence and that's all it is go ahead into your naturalization just make sure that they know and you put as part of your evidence that your i-751 your joint one is still pending Correct. And and I've done that and they've come out beautifully. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. What yeah. did they do for you? Did they actually address, did you get the I-751 approval in the mail first? Usually, or did they wait till your interview? I'm curious. No, usually what I get is the 751 approval first. In, in the, the mail. mail. Okay, nice. And then uh, we get the, the Nats interview. Excellent. I'm not surprised. It seems to me they would do that more. But I've yeah. seen from one of our colleagues and maybe some sort of um, you know, forum for attorneys mm -hmm. where somebody actually has been told at the interview, we're approving it now. Here's your yeah. approval. And then, but yeah, you're right. I think that they would do that more. It would yeah. force them. What, what we've seen and people have said this, it is supposed to kind of force their hand to then finally adjudicate and decide that yeah. on 751. Absolutely. So that then they can go forward on your naturalization. 
Absolutely, absolutely. That realization now is taking so long that sometimes by the time they're interviewed, they may have already been um, five years waiting and, you know, yes. really need to be based on the U.S. citizen spouse. I know. What a mess. I know. Well, Magali, we've run out of time. Thank you so oh, much. So much um, this been, You're welcome. This has such a, been so informative, and I, I hope our listeners enjoyed today's podcast. Um, if they need to reach us, it's uniteimmigrantfamilies at gmail.com. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Unite Immigrant Families. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want more information about me or my guest, please email me at uniteimmigrantfamilies at gmail.com. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. I hope you join us on this bi-weekly podcast. No legal advice was provided and none will ever be provided on this podcast.